Welcome. This is Bleacher Blums, a sports podcast for baseball fans. Now here's David Tuttle and Astros master of banter, Blummer. Because we're in the bleachers. Bleacher Blums is coming at you. We have an impromptu podcast. Uh, we're, we're making things work on the fly. I hope you guys enjoyed that last podcast. Seemed to get some rave reviews, a lot of re- a lot of responses on social media after we got done interviewing uh, Dr. Meredith Wills about the baseball. Actually stirred up a little bit of controversy, which was a lot of fun. But uh, this is going to be a little bit later edition of Bleacher Blums. And feel free to go back and listen to all the archives that we've got. There's plenty on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. There are plenty on BleacherBlums.com. And of course, you can follow at BleacherBlums on both Twitter and Instagram to try and find us. And obviously, we have a YouTube channel called Short Hops that'll give you some brief videos or extensive videos, depending on what your 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 liking is. But uh, Tuttle, we, we took the weekend off, and most of that was because you had a little bit of a road trip due to your actual job. It's I know it's surprising to hear for a lot of people who listen to this podcast that Bleacher Blums is not the the main resource that we uh, rely on in our lives. We actually need jobs outside this podcast, but trust me, if it got big enough and we were Joe Rogan style, I would have no problem jumping out of the booth and just focusing entirely on Tuttle. But Tuttle, how was your weekend, man? It was great. Blummer, you're a great sense of humor and it's good to be back with you. Yeah, a real job is a, is always a real job. And I think the J-O-B part of it is, you know, we would certainly give that up to uh, to do this full time. But, uh, you know, the only, the only hindrance, and you did go to Orlando over the holiday as well, was uh, our company is centrally located in the country, but they chose an East Coast time slot. And honestly... That crushes you as an old as an old gentleman, and I know you're aware of this as you travel for your work. But it's like I can handle anything. I can go out for a few extra drinks. I can stay up a little bit later. But three hours losing three hours across the country is the knockout punch, man. I feel like the old Mike Tyson quote comes up, right? Like everybody has a plan until they get punched in the mouth. I land there. I'm like, what time is it? Where am I? I feel like I went to the moon or something, but. Otherwise, it's fantastic. So Good. Yeah, and hopefully you get out of there unscathed. I know that we did not when we went to Orlando, but uh, it's kind of spreading across the country. So uh, stay healthy. We want everybody out there to stay healthy and stay true. But th- you know what? You bring up a really good point about the travel situation and what professional athletes are going through. And I know that a lot of people are watching football right now, hockey, uh, you know, the NCAA, they're all in conference, but the way these conferences are set up, they've got time changes in their conferences now. And, you know, for professional sports, even though they have chartered flights, the travel is the worst part. Well, may, I should, you know, we can rephrase that and be a little more specific. Maybe not necessarily the travel because they are being catered to. You can fly anytime you want on a domestic charter. And it's just the time change. That's all it is. You know, we, we bitch and moan on this podcast all the time about daylight savings, which I think should go out the window in this day and age where there are no set work hours. You just work when you can and maximize the day as best you can. But the, the time change is something that we cannot change. And that is what is really hard. And especially, you know, having lived on the West Coast for a majority of my life, now living in the central time zone, big fan of the central time zone. Uh, I do have to do a little bit of an addition and subtraction. Our TV shows are on a little bit different here in the central, but that three hour time change, dude, that one is a bitch, man. And you're trying to adjust and stay up a little bit later. If you're, you know, you're on the West Coast, you're fine. You're like, dude, I can go until 3 a.m., guys. I, I'm rolling. But when you get back home, that's when you start to pay the price, too. 
That's right. You know, that's so funny. You just said that the math, that's the other thing that gets confusing. Like asking ballplayers to do math turns into this, like, wait a second, it's two yeah, hours, one hour. When are my TV? ERA, you're going to have no <laughs> idea what answer you're going to get. That's right. So anyway, how are you? So you're all recovered. You didn't do any traveling, but you plan on traveling this year as your real job also um, <laughs> gets into swing. But uh, how, how are you, how are you doing, Blummer? I, I need to always ask you that. No, th- things are good. You know what? We actually took a little bit of a road trip this weekend. Uh, my wife, as a lot of you know, is an interior designer. And, you know, this is a whole new world for me is seeing the design world and, and, and talking a foreign language with uh, my spouse is always a lot of fun. But she's done a very good job of including me in what she's doing. And I want to help out as best I can. You know, I, I'm a part-time personal assistant, uh, you know, trying to, trying to help out in certain situations. But... That being said, we actually got out and got to go to Round Top, Texas. And I know that doesn't sound like much to you, Tuttle, but if you're here in Texas, Round Top is is one of the the United maybe the mainland of the United States, the one of the meccas of antique shopping and interior design work. They usually have about 3 or 4 weeks out of the year where people will come and they will bring stuff from all over the world and all the designers just descend on round top and they pick out these unique pieces, get great deals and do this whole kind of thing. And this weekend was one of those uh, rare opportunities that uh, we had to go up there and check out some of the stuff. So I was actually in round top, Texas doing a little antique shopping and I've got a project going on in here at home. And just to give you an idea is uh, I'm blowing out uh, a couple of doors trying to enclose this space. And we actually picked up uh, some doors they were from northern France in the 1920s. I got to do a little bit of repair work, but they're going to have a nice little story, and that's probably part of the fun. But uh, I went to Round Top, Texas, and I love it. And in between there, you know, Brenham is where Bluebell ice cream, which I, I don't know if you know about Bluebell ice cream, but easily the best ice cream ever. And their their uh, headquarters is in Brenham, so you do a little stop there, pick up some Bluebell before you head out there. But so such great land out there that I'm, I want to. I think we need to buy some land. I want to just say that I have. Hey, I have forty acres out here in Chapel Hill, Texas. Check it out, you know, and then just have like a cow on it or something. Hey, it's it's <laughs> certainly a possibility. I, I'm I'm interested in real estate and land as well. Um, back to the interior design, which is funny. My grandmother was um, a founding member. We've talked about it on this podcast, yeah. but it's and I know. I mean, she used to take me up to San Francisco to Market Week, and I'm assuming the Round Top uh, Texas experience was a lot like Market Week because you get all these people from all over that, you know, these specific designers to this location, obviously round top Texas, probably a little bit different than market week in San Francisco, but, uh, but it sounds, it sounds great. And like you said, I mean, if your wife has kind of, she knows all the baseball terminology and she's kind of been in tow for your whole career. And, um, obviously uh, they're still big Astros fans. Like you're, uh, you're kind of repaying the favor if, if there's, such a thing in marriage, right? I mean, she's you're no. learning her business, and you're, hey, move that desk over there, go that. Look, these <laughs> doors are in France. So, you mentioned the repair work. Like, you have a project. My project skills are <clears throat> very limited. But is this like sanding and lacquering, or repairing oh, no. windows, or how are yeah. you? What's what's going on here? No, I'm, I've actually. I mean, God bless YouTube for you know having instructional videos because if there ever is a question or I, I doubt myself, I can go in there and. and either reinforce or adjust. And no, I've changed out light fixtures. I've changed out, uh, you know, uh, control panels. I've put in speakers. I've, I've hung, you know, cameras. I've hung pictures. 
uh, you know, demo is obviously the forte, and you know, so I can blow out some of that stuff. <laughs> I'm good at the demo. Too. <laughs> yeah, the demo. Amen, I've, brother. Amen. Yeah, you know, I mean, just give me a hammer and point, That's and I'll go. Right. Yeah. But you know, wreck it, wreck it, Jeff, instead of wreck well, it, Ralph. But we uh, saw we saw your blummer, the plumber skills. Can you put another <laughs> hole over there? We're not sure where the leak is over there. Oh, too. dude, I'll, like, <laughs> that's exactly right. I can find a leak if you need to. I've changed garbage disposals. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, I, I mean, those are the things I'll do. And I, the the beauty of, you know, Corey being in the interior design is she's she's become a little more fearless in letting me do those things because she knows she has people to repair them. Ah, so that's kind of the fun in it too, is that she lets me, you know, be that 12-year-old, destroy something and go, I don't know what to do now. And she'll have somebody yeah. that fixes it. But the best is... And I think she comes to me with these questions just to, to, you know, get back to, you know, what she wants to do because she'll go, Hey, what do you think of this? And I'll be like, Oh, that looks great. And she'll be like, scrap it, throw it away and go to a different thing. So <laughs> kind of that sounding board that says, yeah, maybe I shouldn't do that. I, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not even there yet, but I agree. I think I learned this when we first had a, like a plumber come out or a leak or anything that these guys are all very, um, you know, like all of us, right? Highly skilled in their area. But I remember yeah. the first time the plumber's like, all right, we'll do this. We'll cut a hole here and we'll fix this leak back here. And then he leaves and you're like, uh, there's a big hole in the wall. <laughs> like, like, is he coming back? <laughs> He's like, no, no, no. You got to call a drywall guy. I'm like, it's a oh, different guy. all right. That's a different guy. Okay. So, you know, I learned that many years ago, but yeah, it sounds like your wife is comfortable in that, in that element or in that environment, knowing that she's yeah. got a guy that can come. I got a guy for that. So, and you know what? I'm highly encouraged by her because if she is going well, then I don't have to sweat what the hell's going on with baseball. And I know that we didn't talk about it at our last podcast, but they did have a get together, a powwow. They exchanged some ideas. We haven't heard what's going on, but in, in, in listening to that conversation and watching what we watched over the weekend with the NFL, I've got to be honest, man. I think, I think the NFL could actually put a little pressure on baseball to try and figure this thing out because guess who is stealing the thunder of baseball again with playing through this COVID era is the NFL, man. Yeah. You know, I think we, we've, we've just gotten very accustomed to saying hot stove all the time, but you know, hot stove is kind of lukewarm or cold stove. More often um, than not, you're right. In the off season, depending on, you know, where baseball stands and how it's going and, and, and what, um, kind of where you sit on this like for us it's always hot stove because this is our livelihood and you know certainly was for years and it's a topic of discussion but um you know in the off season as a casual fan they're not doing much to draw you in and i think you just you know you hit the nail on the head that the nfl just the games were fantastic this weekend and and you know baseball certainly it's during its off season but the hot stove isn't going very um isn't isn't burning like a furnace at this point i guess and uh and I think they could learn something. We've talked about that on this podcast. I love playoff sports anyway. Hockey kind of is, you know, middling sometimes, but playoff hockey is fantastic. We know playoff baseball is fantastic. The NBA, I won't watch until the playoffs start and you kind of figure out Oh, man, seating. I'm with you on that. So, um, you know, I think the football games get a little more, I don't know, there's only 16 of them, 17 now, I guess, but there's only 17 games and 18 weeks of NFL football. So I do know that they're, you know, they get a lot more eyes on their product, but I, I just think, yeah, this weekend kind of just elevates the NFL above all other sports because of the way they package it, but also the, uh, the content, right? The games were fantastic. They were fantastic. You are a native North Northern California guy. So we know that you like the giants. Are you a Niners fan? So the short Ooh. answer is yes. 
No, the short answer is yes. I mean, I like them. I, okay. I grew up kind of. Uh, I liked America's team when I was little. Tony Dorsett, you know, Robert Newhouse, wow. Roger you know Staubach. I, I hate to cut you fan. off, but that yeah, just no. that brings like <laughs> that brings so many things into play because we're similar in age, yeah. and I all I remember are the Cowboys Niners playoff games, yeah. the NFC Championships, and the, I mean to hear you be in the Bay Area and be like America's team. Yeah. Kind of fan, which is going to make my wife absolutely elated. Oh, nice! Unbelievable! I would not have expected. Yeah. I would have. Been, I would have expected you to be the Dwight Clark guy. You know oh, the catch. Oh man, that hurt a lot. That hurt a, <laughs> a bundle. <laughs> you know, I, and I was watching the Joe Montana kind of documentary. You know, this weekend I think I mm -hmm. saw the Madden one, and I was looking at the Joe Montana one, and they always start with, you know, just one of his highlights is always the catch. But, uh, but you know, it is weird because this is what happens as we evolve and get older. Fantasy football certainly changed my allegiances, like who you draft. You're like, yeah. I'm going for that guy, and I like this guy. I mean, in the last 10 years, I've certainly changed. I'm a really big fan of um, Kyle Shanahan. And I, I just – I'm a big fan of all these young coaches, by the way. Yeah, yeah. Shanahan's Yeah, that's a good point. Them. We could get into that. He's had, so, so, Shanahan's had a rough season, though, and he's – I mean, he's get, to get this far is pretty incredible. Well, they were three and five, and they talked about the – I mean, just the fodder was the Ravens lost all those running backs. I mean, the Ravens lost mm -hmm. like four running backs for the season. Well, the Niners have Mostert. He never makes it through a game. They had uh, Sermon from Ohio State. He's been out. They had Jermichael Hasty, who was supposed to be the guy, and they had to go to Eli Mitchell, who I ended, I ended up thinking you got. And now they run Debo Samuel. Like, let's line him up and run him, and he is a monster. Like, that guy – how do you not like the way that guy plays football? So, anyway – so I'm a big fan of Kyle Shanahan. I was definitely rooting for them versus the Packers this weekend. Um, but uh, yeah, so did you grow up? You said Corey will appreciate that. Did you grow up as a Rams fan, Chargers? I'm, I, dude, I mean, I'm going to blow your mind right here. No, right. Raiders. Uh, oh, I mean, I was in I was in high school, I think, when Marcus Allen, or might have been before that. Marcus Ooh, Allen, I remember Marcus when I, he was at USC. And I just remember, you know, that was you know, local TV when we were growing up. We didn't have 95 channels. So you're forced to watch USC football because I was in L.A. And I, I was like, dude, this guy is one of the most unbelievable athletes I've ever seen in my life. And then yeah. you go from him to the Raiders. So I loved watching him. And then you get the Lyle Alzados and all of those guys that were going, Howie Long. And so the way they played was just dirty and gross and gritty and punchy in the face. You know, I, you know, I wasn't an Al Davis fan, but the guys that he had playing for him, I loved. And then you had the emergence of Bo Jackson, and I was sold. Ooh. I'm like, dude, I'm black and silver until that dude, you know, obviously blows out and can't play anymore. But I, I was a Raider fan. I was, you know, they bounced around between Northern and Southern. And then eventually I'm a Charger fan now just because they're in uh, Southern California. But I'll keep that. I'll keep my eye on, uh, you know, the Raiders a little bit. But uh, a Raider fan, to be honest with you. But I was always cheering for the it. Cowboys against the Niners just because, yeah. little secret, my dad liked the Niners, and oh, I hated yeah. the Niners because of that. Yeah. Well, it's funny. You, my dad was a huge Raiders fan and didn't like uh -huh. the Niners until he met Bill Walsh. He met Bill Walsh at a dinner, and he was like, you know what? I mean, uh, Bill Walsh, Walsh was, was a Stanford an, guy. Something right. Like. I know. Well, he's an innovator. My dad was a Stanford guy, <laughs> really too. Was. So it's kind of like, you know, it just kind of turned into this thing where he's like, all right, I like the Niners. But my dad was a diehard Raiders he the Madden thing, all that stuff yeah. was really in our house and in our face. Ken Stabler and Dave Casper and Blitnikoff right? and Lester Hayes with the stickum. Lester like, Hayes all over. was like badass. Yeah. yeah, so I know all these guys just because my dad was a big Raiders fan. So we weren't we didn't have a lot of Niners fans in our house, but you know, living in the Bay Area for the last you know I'm not there anymore, but 30 years of my life. I mean, I don't know. I just 
I just don't like Jerry Jones. I don't like the Cowboys as much. So it's real. I get torn, right? Because I do like, yep. you know, I, I can go from the Roger Staubach days or the Troy Aikman days, even Danny White days. But moving into the new era where you're like, Jerry Jones is the general manager. Oh, I love Jimmy Johnson too. So kind of as they've drifted, it hasn't been great. But back to the uh, the football, which, which game did you have your eye on the most this weekend? I know which one was the most entertaining. And we all got those alerts, like close game, late in the game. But uh, there was one game that I watched more than others, and then yeah. there was obviously the game. But is that the game that you uh, that you glommed onto? Well, like I told you, I, I was I was an antiquer this weekend, so I'd missed a lot of the games. And I was yeah. driving back, and I got home in time for the start of the Chiefs Bills game. And I really kind of wanted to see that because you know I had a who did I have? I had uh, the I had the kicker and somebody else for on, on the Bills team. Or I had the Bills defense, I think. This year, you mean? Uh, yeah, in fantasy in football, fantasy, like you're yeah. saying. So I became really interested in what the Bills were doing. I loved the the way Singletary played. You know, Stephon Diggs, and then you watch what Davis did last night. So I was kind of intrigued with Josh Allen and this whole this whole new era. As as we see Tom Brady get knocked out of the out of the playoffs, we see this whole new generation of quarterbacks. And the way the game in the NFL is played through the quarterbacks and have these guys be that young, that athletic, that intelligent to play that position and be those kinds of leaders really turns me on. I love watching those guys. But Josh Allen, I wanted to see what this guy could do on a big stage because you know as well as I do, we watch a lot of regular season and guys are going to put up numbers if they're phenomenal talents. That's what Josh Allen did. That's what uh, you know Mahomes has done. That's what Aaron Rodgers has done in the past. You want to see what they do when prime time, when it counts, when they absolutely 100% need to lean on you. And watching that Chiefs game, I thought was a great exhibition of a young guy who has done it in Mahomes and, a, and an excellent opportunity to watch a guy in Josh Allen who has done it in the regular season and watch him just expand and flourish in a high-pressure situation on the road, no less. And he single-handedly put the Bills in position to win with 13 seconds to go in a game. And I, as soon as they scored that touchdown with 13 seconds left to go, I almost turned it off. I was like, man, there ain't no way. But I was really intrigued, and we can probably get into the, you know, the, the uh, strategy of what the Bills did after that. But if we could just talk a little bit about the quarterbacks, I was thoroughly impressed, thoroughly entertained. Might This is going to be a bold statement. Might have been the best football game I've ever seen. I, I would agree with you. I thought it was fantastic, and I think you're not alone in that sentiment. I still – this is a weird one. I'm a little older than you are, but I'm sure you're aware – there was a uh, the football game with Kellen Winslow Sr., the Chargers-Dolphins oh, man. game. In Miami. With the hook and yeah. ladder. Yeah. That was, what was it, 41-38, that one? Yeah. That that was, that's still a game. I mean, how funny is that? It was a playoff game, but that game still sits with me. Last night was rivaled that. And Josh Allen, if you take his performance against the Patriots, seven touchdown drives in a row, dominating Bill Belichick, who you know game plan for him specifically. And then coming in last night where you put your team ahead, I kind of felt, and I'll digress and then get back to the Bills Chiefs. I felt the same thing about Tom Brady. It's like, that guy was he's driven he's True. fantastic he must have been born with a horseshoe up his butt it's 27 <laughs> to 3 then it's 27 to 6 and the rams are dominating him and then there's a fumble and you're like oh and now it's 27 to 13 and then they cough it up again and now it's 27 to 20 and cooper cup fumbled and you're like oh he never fumbles all right so you're given the goat it's 27 20 when the goat tied it up i just thought oh my goodness 
Like they're giving him an opportunity. Like he's going to go win an eighth he Super takes Bowl. Takes advantage of every opportunity. Every opportunity, and he was terrible. He would probably admit for three quarters he was terrible, and and that's kind of what you said about what these playoffs are. Now we want to see how people do it on the big stage. We know how Tom Brady will do. Matt Stafford got a chance to shine. Josh Allen and Mahomes got a chance to shine. Those games ended the same way, and that maybe leads us to what you said about the strategy. I don't think the Buccaneers strategize incorrectly. The first pass to Cup was, you know, I don't know. They fumbled the ball. Then it was just an out route. They probably think they'd keep him there. But um, I did see uh, on NFL primetime, Ryan Clark broke down the defense that they played, and it looked like mm-hmm. they were going to blitz like a zero coverage. But there was two guys that didn't look like they knew what they were doing. The middle linebacker didn't get the right call. He was kind of standing in the middle of the field. And uh, and you got to give – this goes back to the Josh Allen point. you got to give – or Patrick Mahomes. Mm-hmm. you got to give them credit for yeah. actually performing oh. on the stage. Because that ball that Stafford threw to Cup with a guy in his face, I mean, you can say, well, do you all-out blitz a guy there? And you gave him a chance to kick the field goal. And I think the same thing with 13 seconds left. I don't know what the Bills were doing. Obviously, in <laughs> hindsight, it looks like what they did was the wrong thing. But Butker had missed a kick. He missed an extra yeah. point. It was kind of 50-yard field goal. I, I just... I don't know. It was just a fantastic game. I don't know if you can nitpick the strategy if it worked out in their favor. This is always, you know, what happens in hindsight. So, what what say you about the strategy? You did you did have an opinion on that? I know. I, I do, and, I, and and but you know, a lot of credit to the TV analysts that the NFL do have. I mean, they they come out and they don't care who's on the field or what friendships they have. They're going to call it like it is, and they do have the benefit. You know, guys in studio have the benefit of video, breaking it down, watching every angle, seeing every aspect, and kind of breaking it down. I thought you know, Romo does a phenomenal job. Uh, he he wasn't too predictive in that in that playoff game, but he was also very good in hindsight looking back at some of the plays. And it was similar to the communication on that uh, you know Allen to Davis touchdown to put them ahead uh, with those 13 seconds left. How there was a miscommunication, a safety doesn't cover, and you know, and they showed the view from behind. And there's so many good at camera angles where Josh Allen, these guys are good enough to recognize early enough. I mean, he's getting ready to pass, and Davis hasn't even come out of his route yet. And, yeah. I mean, as soon as he makes the break and takes a look in, here comes the football, and he makes a phenomenal yeah. catch. So it's kind of interesting to see that. The only thing – and, man, if I'm an NFL coach or if you want to be an NFL head coach, do you absolutely just freaking hate the clock? I mean, the clock – it's amazing what that clock – we talk about stressful situations in baseball, how you've got a little more time to slow things down a little bit, but when things start to speed up, you start to panic a little bit, and that panic creates remorse. I wonder if there's a little remorse in that coaching staff for the Bills looking back at that game, because Romo and even Jim Nance said, are they going to squib kick? Because if you squib it down there, uh, you know, you got to put a lot of faith in your coverage team to be able to, you know... Uh, to keep that guy from running it back because it's an unorthodox watching the football bounce around, but... As soon as somebody touches it, that clock gets going. Yeah. And if you can shave a couple more seconds off that clock, maybe you do. I don't know. That was the only thing I really was curious about, why they just kicked it out of the end zone and left those 13 seconds on there instead of maybe, maybe what, take three or four seconds off? Maybe the guy catches it and kneels on it, and you lose two or three seconds. Yeah, no, I I mean, again, I, I, I agree with you wholeheartedly. I mean, I think the, uh, I think the strategy... It, it's always the hindsight thing, right? I don't know about kicking it out. I would always want the clock to run, but I also, the Buccaneers kicker kicked the ball out of bounds twice yesterday. You know, they come back and score, it's 27-13, and the Buccaneers guy kick pinion, kicks it out of bounds. They get the ball at the 40 or the 45. They're like, what is this guy doing? So, you know, again, 
I think this is a Belichickism, but you got to be prepared for squib kick, onside kick. What's our coverage? And I think then you have it all in your arsenal. And the coaching staff could look around and go, you know what? We really haven't practiced that squib kick late in the game. I know. That's let's what kick I feel it like deep too. and let's play coverage. And to your point, the analysts are fantastic. Romo specifically is always pretty darn good with the prediction. And, you know, he's <laughs> always kind of like, oh, yeah, they're running a high two here. This is what they, you know. But I think mm-hmm. you do. Let's full circle here. Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, you do see the value of having a fantastic quarterback. I mean, those games, these guys are untouchable as the rules get changed, you know? You can't touch them. (laughs) And they can just sit back there and pick you apart. I used to say this when I was a a diehard Cowboys fan because they, I don't know if they would sit in the production meetings find this out, but they were the ones that used to play that flex defense, that prevent defense. And, you know, the saying is the only thing it prevented the Cowboys from doing was winning. (laughs) I mean, you know, they get in this and Terry Broadshaw's back there picking them apart with Stallworth and Swan. And you're like, hey, let's get up there and let's get in their face and make it tougher, dude. Like, come on. Right? Challenge them. So, right. So, no, but to your point, challenging them, once you, okay, so, we're past the squib and past the yeah. kick. Here we are taking a snap, and they don't get the pressure to him. But if you're gonna, if you're not gonna get that kind of pressure to him, can we put, can we put a body on Travis Kelsey? Is it not amazing that how open Kelsey can get when they need ten yards? Yeah, I mean you're gonna get the big play from Tyreek Hill, but yeah. dear God, keep somebody on Kelsey for crap. He gets lost, and all of a sudden there's nobody near him. Yeah, and that's what the Bengals have now. With you know, when they have yeah. you know, they, now they have Mixon and Jamar Chase and Boyd and and uh, Higgins, like and and Burrow back there doing some things. Like they have Burrow's a they have ass, a yeah. yeah they have a bunch of weapons. And I think you watch the Niners; they kept breaking that down when we we're talking about the analysts. Devonte Adams, when when it came crunch time, he was double covered. He had a high low guy on him every single time. It's like, look, throw it to somebody else. If you win the game with Lazard or you know, or uh, you, you know, Scantling, to, yeah. Scant- Valdez, Scantling, that's fine. We'll let you try and win the game with them. But mm-hmm. we talk about how fantastic Aaron Rodgers is, just like all of us. You know, Devonte Adams is a security blanket, and some of those sacks were caused by, you know, Rodgers pre-snap going, all right, I'm going to throw it to number 17, no matter what. He got back there, and he's like, I can't throw it. He had to hold it. And I think that that's like you said, Kelsey and Hill. Let's double cover those guys and make you know somebody else beat us. And I, and I I would agree with you wholeheartedly. Like until it happens, we used to do that in baseball. Throw this pitch until he shows he can hit it. If he yeah. hits it for a double and you give up a run, you're like, all right, I got to make an adjustment. But I just think I I would agree with you. Like find those guys that he wants to go to because it makes the quarterbacks look that much better as well. It was a lot of fun to watch. I think football did a good job. And again, it's it's always the playoffs. Like you said earlier in this podcast, the NBA, the NHL, you know, there's a lot of these sports I will not watch just because I don't find it entertaining like the NBA during the course of a season. But if you get to the playoffs, all of a sudden I'm going to be turning it on going, oh man, who's this? What's that? You know, and the NCAA, the March Madness, I don't have time to watch 158 teams play during the course of a season. I may pick a conference or try and, you know, read up on it. But once they get to March Madness, guess what? Here I am sitting down watching, you know, Cinderella stories and, you know, directional state out of the, you know, West Coast play against, you know, Duke, just because there might be the chance that they they beat them but uh you know playoffs is is a place to be it's the way to go and hopefully uh you know this baseball podcast who talks a lot about sports (laughs) will spend a little more time on baseball but man dude the nfl had a great weekend the best way to learn a language immersion living where the language is spoken and using it every day but if that's not in the cards this year you can still learn a language the second best way and that's with Babbel. 
Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Well, and you're not allowed to really talk about baseball because of the state that it's in right now, but I will um, transition to that. Do you think, I mean, we all know the business of sports is is a big deal. I mean, there are people that have opinions on it that know nothing about it, and there are certainly people that are involved in it that have strong influence and strong opinions about it. But what what do you, what kind of influence do you think a weekend like this in the NFL will really have on the negotiations for the lockout? And I'm saying high level, like, I don't want you to get into the specifics of the negotiation because I know a lot of people will say, oh, well, you know, baseball is a completely different sport. You know, football has a salary cap. We don't have a salary cap. I mean, so when they get into the metrics or the economics, they're kind of like, man, but I, I think you got to watch that and say, similar to what we talked about last podcast, like, with the different baseballs, like would we like the Red Sox and the Yankees? They must be looking at it from a high-level business standpoint going, man, if we could have a weekend like this in baseball, you know, I mean, this would be yeah. fantastic. So what what do you think? Do you think, you know, Tony Clark and Manfred are now like, you know, speeding up the speeding up the clock or? Well, there, there's two sides to this CBA story. And obviously it's the owners and Rob Manfred against the players and Tony Clark, like, uh, Tuttle is talking about, but Tuttle, you're going to probably agree with me on this because we are, we are both ex-players. Our mind is in that player mentality, the union mentality, the solidarity, the hard work, the, the understanding that you know, our earning window is very small. How do we maximize that and get the best out of this industry that is making so much money right now? The owners have a $500 billion TV contract in their back pocket right now. And I want the only reason I say that, because I want you to keep that in mind as I try and describe both sides is the players are watching the NFL, and they're watching it differently than than the owners are, because the players are watching it going, and they're looking on social media, and they're going, man, look at the enthusiasm, look at the number of hashtags, look at the number of likes, look at the number of tweets, look at the number of videos, and they're going, I want, I want to, I want to be that guy, I want that to be our industry, and right now the only thing being written about our industry is how we're bitching and moaning about money and contracts and things like this, which are, are necessary. Because if you do compare the business side of it, baseball is leaps and years ahead of what the NFL has and the NBA and the NHL have done to themselves. But if you watch this on the the owner's side, you are you're saying these teams are very good. They've got a ton of eyes on them. You know what's the economics of this? And that's where I think the difference. You know, there's a little more of a you know the, the players are the emotional side. I feel like the owners are the brain side of it, where they're just they're doing calculations instead of weighing it on emotion. 
And that might be the separation and where the issue is, where I think the, you know, if, if the owners were smart, maybe they go at the players with a little more of a, you know, a comp a quote unquote, their idea of a compromise. And maybe you catch those players a little off balance because they want to play so bad. That's, yeah. that's part of the problem too, with players. They want to play so bad yeah. that, uh, you know, they may be a little more conciliatory, but I think that they're, they're still have the mindset of we need to get ours. But, you know, it may be an opportunity to open that thing up a little bit because, you know, a lot of eyes and a lot of attitudes are right now on other sports. Yeah, you know, you you brought up a really good point, which I always think, I mean, the idea of a negotiation typically is, right, so both sides leave the table thinking that they got kind of what they wanted or at least that they compromised the same and then they got um, a fair deal. So that's kind of the winning the negotiation, right? You got what you wanted, I got what I wanted. But I think you hit on something which is, those owners and the amount of money that they sit on and that they've had for years and years as we go back to the Marvin Miller discussion, it's always unemotional, right? They're just looking mm -hmm. at the bottom line. Give me the ledger. Am I in the black or am I in the red? And let me see how these numbers work out. But I think when they come to the table, they can't just be, we're in the black, we're in the red. This is how much we lost last year. This is my risk and this is your risk. They can appeal to your, to your point the emotional side, use these numbers to appeal to the emotional side, like where free agency can go and what we can do together, how we can get you more hashtags, more likes that'll, you know, extend your earning yeah. career. And then use that language. You, you're right. That's actually that's a really good right. idea. It's almost like a language thing. And I know the, you know, the players we have, you know, we have attorneys. I say we as players, but we, you know, both sides have attorneys. Both of them are doing things, um, for the benefit of each other. But I like what you said. It's like, let's have a little more of a conciliatory tone or let's have more like, hey, we're both going to win in this thing. But appeal to the emotional side, just like the players can appeal to the business side and say, look, this is, we understand the gate. We understand the revenue. But I think what you what you hit on is a really nice, even if it's the Jedi mind trick, like, hey, we're coming in in an emotional <laughs> side. Because as players, that's right. We we know we're going to make a living, especially at the big league level. The 25 guys are going to make a good amount of money. Let's come to the table, you know, fair and square, and we can work all the other stuff out because those guys, yeah, I mean, they they want to run through a wall at this point. They do, and we always run through a wall on this uh, podcast. Uh, do you got anything to finish this thing off? You got a Waddle Tuttle? I know that we kind of ambushed this, uh, this episode, which turned out to be pretty good because we always, I always feel like we have the ideas in our head, and we're, I'm not. I mean, I have to like actually physically write them down or take a note in my phone to actually like remind myself to have the idea. But I feel like every time we get on here and start to chat a little bit, the idea just sits at the edge of my, you know, my, my skull and just waits for something to trigger it. So I appreciate you being the trigger to the Bleacher Blooms yeah. podcast. Yeah. Well, you got on me earlier. I'm, I'm not afraid to ch chat away. So uh, I, I, I do the same thing. I write a lot of notes down, but I do think, you know, our emotion and our, and our uh, hopefully our intelligence, but the way we articulate things, just that, that's the whole point of this, this podcast. It's like free flowing and we don't have to prepare maybe as much as we think we do. And we just threw it together. I have a Weddle Tuttle say for next time. I'm going to tease that out. I've got it for the last few. And um, I don't have much else to say. I'm glad we threw this together. Sorry that my travel schedule, um, you know, hey, got life. in the way of the uh, usual recording uh, time. No, that's what it's about. It's life, and I know that our produ <gasps> producer, Mark. Wait, what? <laughs> what? He's about to jump in. <laughs> no, ladies uh, and gentlemen, I'm kind of the gonna, No, no editing this out. No, 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 no. <laughs> We've got our producer, Mark, wants to chime in. Yes, <laughs> I want to hear your predictions for this weekend. Oh, damn. Oh, damn. Bengals, okay. Chiefs, versus, and then the uh, 49ers, Rams. 
Hey, Tuttle first. <laughs> with with the with the spread or without? That's what I was gonna say. So well, that's what I was gonna look at too. I was, I'm I was gonna curious give you, what that was gonna I'm be. I'm gonna give you so near and dear, right? The the Niners are the longest odds to win it. The Chiefs just took over the Packers. The Packers had the best odds to win the Super Bowl, and now the Chiefs do. Mm-hmm. Um I would take the Bengals plus Ooh. the points, I think. But I think the Chiefs are gonna go to the Super Bowl again. And I would like to see a Chiefs Niners Super Bowl. I know not everybody wants to see that with Jimmy G as the quarterback. Um, he gave it up last time. But I I, I think the Rams, Damn. as emotional and as great as they've been, you know, the Niners have their number. I think they're 0-5 the last five times they've played. McVay, Shanahan owns McVay. You got to think the way the Rams played yesterday, they could beat anybody. But, it would be, you know, I guess my prediction would be Chiefs. I would take the Bengals plus the points, but Chiefs, uh, Niners, Super Bowl. That's what I Dude. would say. Now that I've pulled up, well, at least on Yahoo Sports, I pulled up, you know, the uh, the odds, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, I'm with you as far as the Bengals. They're uh, dogs by seven and a half. Yeah, I was thinking it'd so be that, like eight or and nine. It's in, it. Yeah, it's in Kansas City. I'm sure that that'll change once the money starts rolling in. But uh, man, I like the Bengals with points. Yeah, because you never know. Joe Burrow may freak out because he's he, you know he's a guy that won't go away either, and has really That's become right. into you know coming to Super Joe and all the monikers that he's getting. So he's a lot of fun to watch, but I don't think that that defense has enough to shut down what, uh, you know, are they going to get enough pressure on Mahomes to make him uncomfortable enough to not get to Kelsey and Hill? You know, that's the biggest thing for me. And so I do think the Chiefs win that game, but I would take the Bengals in the points. I'm with Tuttle on nice. that. We'll go ahead and double down. And uh, the Niners-Rams are interesting to me. I'm not sold on Garoppolo, dude. Yeah, I, know. I, I don't. I don't know what it is. He, he makes me uncomfortable a little bit. Uh, the thumb issue. I, you know, it, you know, it's going to be a controlled environment at least in LA when they play, which is nice. And last year, uh, we saw Tampa Bay play at home in the Super Bowl. We have a ch- that was the first time in NFL history, and now we have a chance to have it happen back to back seasons with the Rams playing at SoFi Ooh, Stadium like in LA. It. I think there's a little uh, advantage for the Rams playing at home and the excitement, plus. I'm a story guy. I love the storylines. Mm-hmm. I love the defense for the Rams. I think they play extremely well, so it could it could hurt the the rush of the 49ers and put a little pressure on Garoppolo, who might freak out. And then this whole Matthew Stafford thing is is fascinating to me because he was in Detroit and completely washed up. He gets traded for Jared Goff, and now here he is with this Ferrari at his fingertips, and he's just <laughs> firing on all cylinders with OBJ and Cooper Cup. Uh, you know, so. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna am t- gonna take the feel good story of Matthew Stafford, nice. and it's gonna be Chiefs, and then you're gonna again we're gonna see a chief, the Chiefs and the Rams in the Super Bowl for me, and it's gonna be the old guard nude guard. I mean I know that Mahomes is an old guard, but you know uh, who is, Reed uh, Reed for the uh, the coach for the Chiefs against the yeah. younger guy uh, McVay. Oh uh, McVay, yeah. I like it. I think your prediction is certainly likely to come to fruition. You know, the Niners thing is interesting only because they don't have um, a good record against the 49ers. I will say just a little counterpoint to what you said about Garoppolo because I think I feel the same way. They were up 23 to, what, 7 against the Cowboys, mm-hmm. and he threw an interception that was just yeah, – he's kind of one of those guys – I saw a statistic though. He's like thirty-one and fifteen as a starter for the Niners. I never would have guessed that. Meaning he no wins these games. Yeah, he wins these games. He's a good leader. The team obviously follows him. But he did that against the Chiefs in the Super Bowl. They were they had a chance to win it, and he threw that pick. I always feel like there's that one play, um, mm-hmm. you know. And the, you know, that's how those playoffs Br- are too. 
That's right. We talked about Brady. You know, Brady never makes that one mistake. He'll make mistakes for quarter one, quarter two, quarter three. But in the fourth quarter, you can seal the deal with him. Garoppolo makes me nervous as well. But you know what? Stafford, I mean, Cup fumbled this week. It's going to be... Hey, if it's any, if it's anything like this last weekend, I you're not getting me off the couch next Sunday to watch it, and you know we can see if our predictions come to fruition, and then we'll do our little Super Bowl predictions. I look forward to it. Yeah, it'd be nice to have a Super Bowl prediction and maybe a CBA update. I don't know what's going mm. on, man, but uh, it would be a lot of fun. And that was a great question. Obviously, our producer, Mark, is the brains behind this operation. We're just the voice and the wind that uh, bring this <laughs> podcast to you. But it was, it's been a lot of fun. Tuttle good stuff. Great, great snap session of the bleachers. Uh, we appreciate everybody who allows us to have this podcast and allows us to watch the, the great sports that are out there and enjoy the uh, the athleticism in, in all sports. But uh, to all the military home and abroad. I know things are getting a little sketch over there in the Ukraine, but uh, we we are praying for your well-being. We hope that you are doing well, and uh, thank you for protecting us. First responders, police, fire, EMTs, nurses, doctors, essential workers, everybody, you know at the end of this podcast, if you get to this point, we are showing our gratitude towards you. Teachers, you're doing a great job too. So there's a lot of people we are grateful for, and that's going to do it for this podcast on my end. Tuttle, you are the closer. All right, there you go. Hey, if you're over the age of 45, please don't forget to get screened for colorectal cancer. And as we like to end every podcast, please, folks, if you're listening to this, enjoy your week, get after it, and believe it. Believe it. Believe it. No, he's such a talker. Mark is, oh. like, Mark is the Mark is the voice box of this podcast, man. I got you. I talked his ear off while we were waiting on you, so he's... Oh, I believe it. He's had enough. Oh, easy now. It hurts <laughs> my feelings. Oh, yeah. Sensitivity training is not on this podcast. All right.